Hey everybody, it's Jason. Welcome or welcome back to the Mosaic Church Podcast. At the end of this podcast, please take a moment to connect with us on social media. It's a great place to learn more and to see what's happening at Mosaic. Most importantly, hope the following message encourages and inspires you to take a new step on your faith journey. Enjoy. There's a nation that believes with all of its heart that it is the greatest nation that ever existed in the history of mankind. And this nation is huge. And this nation has so much success. And this nation believes that the entire world revolves around it. And the entire world should bow its knee to this nation. And this nation and these people believe that they've brought this all on by themselves. And this nation and these people believe that the entire focus of all humanity focuses right at them. And they have done it all by themselves. And no one has helped them, especially not God. God has nothing to do with this equation. If there's a God, or many gods, or groups of gods, or whatever we want to say, they really have no influence in the fact that we alone have created the greatest superpower that has ever existed. And this superpower, yeah, we've had our bumps along the way. We are going to continue to conquer, and we're going to continue to take other countries and we are going to continue to rule the entire world. And if you do not bow your knee to us, we will make you bow your knee. We will invade you. We will attack you. We will destroy your way of living because we are the superpower of the world. Is this freaking you out at all yet? A little too close to home, right? Because we are literally living in this story this week as Russia has come and has invaded the peaceful nation of the Ukraine. And we sit here today with a parallel that's already happened thousands and thousands of years ago in a story that we'll be exploring in Daniel chapter 4. But in our world today, this super nation now says we are the greatest, and now all the superpowers of the world are puffing up. It reminds me of a junior high fight. Everybody now takes off their glasses, they turn their hat backwards, and they're just puffing up their chests like they're a big deal. And all these nations say, you better not do that, or we're going to do this, or you better not do that, or I'm going to tell my mom, right? And so we're all puffing up, we're getting all soul serious, and puff, 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 getting all big and mighty, and we all believe that we're super duper important. And as Americans, I just want to say something to us. Hopefully this does ting you a little bit. Nationalism does not equal Christianity. Christian nationalism is destroying Christianity. Believing that God was, is an American or likes America better than all of his other people is completely false. God loves his kingdom come and he loves his children, period. And God's kingdom is the only kingdom that we're going to see that lasts forever and forever. And the kingdom of man is going to rise and the kingdom of man is going to fall. The Russia is going to rise and Russia is going to fall. United States is going to rise. United States is going to fall. The NATO is going to rise. NATO is going to fall. China is going to rise. China is going to fall. It's going to happen because if you do anything in history, this is what happens. Humans believe that we create the greatest superpower of the world. And then in that, we all turn. This is what the scariest part is. When superpowers rise, listen to this. This is going to scare you. Superpowers turn inwards and say, we are great. And when we say we are great, 
we remove that God is great. Because our Bible tells us that there's not one person, not one leader in the world that's not brought into his position or her position because God has not said so. God allows leaders to rise and he will take it from them and pull it from them at any time that he wants. And when we turn inward and believe we are great and we deny the one who's, who made us or created that ability to have that authority, you are denying God and we place ourselves on the throne versus God. And if you're new to the God story or you're just exploring Jesus, um, let me tell you this. You might not know this about God. He doesn't share his throne with anybody. He is the Lord God Almighty. And if you ask me, I think he's earned that right. I've never met a superpower on earth that's able to create stars yet. We're trying to. I think we think we can. I've never seen a superpower yet that's been able to create universes and create trees from nothing. Everything has to come from something that's already there. So the Lord God Almighty, the creator of everything, the Lord God has no place next to him. But when man grows in power and man gets power and man gets money, there is corruption. That is the story of humanity. And we sit here today in the middle of yet more drama. I saw this meme this week that said, um, I'm so excited. Finally, 2022, this summer, we're going to go back to normal. And there was a picture of uh, a guy who said Russia laughing at it, you know, with a chair about to hit him in the back of the head. Like, if we think at any time we're, our life's going to get normal or the world's going to stop fighting or wars are going to stop, you haven't read the scriptures because the scriptures said that men will continue to fight. And as we move towards the end days or the times as where God's going to say, enough, I'm ending this now. That we call those the end days when God says, I'm coming back and now my kingdom, your kingdoms don't work. My kingdom will reign forever. In those days, there'll be wars and rumors of wars. Superpowers will turn against each other. There's all this drama going on. So guys, this is nothing new and it shouldn't scare you as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is part of the story. So our hope today, as we look and explore this amazing book of Daniel chapter four, is not that I sit here afraid. What I sit here today is brokenhearted at the injustice because I want to be focused on what the kingdom of God's focused on, which are God's people. And right now in the world, God's people, people, children created by God are being destroyed. Homes are being wrecked. Lives are being torn apart. But this is not new. In the book of Daniel, if you've been miss, missing it or maybe you're just jumping in or your first time here today, I'm going to catch you up because we're going chapter by chapter through Daniel. And the whole story begins with this. Babylon attacks Israel, Jerusalem, and ransacks it and takes all of its people captive and plunders everything. So it begins with a war. And this war is won by the bad guys. The bad guys win because the good guys weren't listening to God and believed that they were a great nation and they pushed God out of the story. And so God said, very well, I will use Babylon to allow them to ransack you until you turn your face back to me and this is going to be an answer to your sin. So they get ransacked, and we're introduced to Daniel. Daniel is a young man. He is a Hebrew man. You see uh, three of his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are the kind of the heroes of our story in Daniel. In the first chapters, we start to learn about this story that's intertwining where 
they stood strong for their beliefs and wouldn't give in to the culture around them, but stood for God's ways. They would not budge. And because they did that and put their lives on the line, but said, I would rather die essentially than listen to what the world around me is saying, which was Babylon. We will stand for God's way. Because of that, God blesses them. They, he interprets a dream and they get lifted up into this Babylonian hierarchy. Then we find out a little bit along the way that there's a dream that Nebuchadnezzar has, which is the king of Babylon. And he has this dream that is super freaky and it's super weird and he can't figure it out and nobody can tell to him except for this young Daniel. And he explains, God gave me this dream to tell you that all your nations are going to crumble and fall, including yours. But there's a nation that will rise forever and that's the kingdom of God, which will last forever. So great king, you're not a big deal. Imagine delivering that to a president or something, right? Hey, you're not a big deal, right? You, everybody falls except for God's kingdom. Then we get put into this story where they said, well, now you have to bow down and worship what we want you to worship to. And they stand up against this. And they said, I'd rather die than bow down to this. And even if we die, even if, if you remember from last week, even if this moment happens where they're like, I don't care, I'd rather die than bow down to your idols because we worship the Lord God Almighty and God saves them. Again, chapter three. Now we're into chapter four and we're gonna go back into a dream. And we discussed in the first week that the book of Daniel is complicated. It has multiple genres that are linked inside of one book. And we discussed the different type of biblical genres then, which we won't go back into. But there's two genres that we see inside of Daniel. There's narrative, which is there's storytelling and explaining what's happened. And then there's prophetic or apocalyptic, which is there's a prophecy being said that's being spoken for days to come. There is a vision of what's going to come in the future. And what we learned in Daniel chapter 2 is that that prophecy has come to fruition through different uh, groups of superpowers that have risen and fallen throughout time. Now we're going to have another vision or a dream that's going to happen with King Nebuchadnezzar. He's moving along in his ways. King Nebuchadnezzar is going to have a dream. And this dream freaks him out once again. And he finds and tries to find people to tell what does this dream mean. And he finally he gets to Daniel. And Daniel's going to tell him about a dream that's not that great. In fact, this is one of those things like I've got really bad news to tell you. This is really, really bad news. I have to tell you about the dream that you're having. So I'm going to invite Tabitha up to read from us Daniel chapter 4 as she's coming up. I want to encourage you to open your Bibles. We'll turn the lights on for you in the back to read along. We will not have it all on the screen today. Uh, but also encourage you to, if you do not have a Bible, there's a free Bible app in Android and iPhone called Version. It's one I personally use for some of my study and reading. There's great, easy way to be able to read into the Bible. Read for yourself uh, these words as well as we read along. We'll be in the NIV version today. Tabitha? Good morning. So Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar's dream of a tree. King Nebuchadnezzar, to the nations and peoples of every language who live in all the earth, may you prosper greatly. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. 
I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my head, through my mind, terrified me. So I commanded that all the wise men of Babylon be brought before me to interpret the dream for me. When the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and diviners came, I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Finally, Daniel came into my presence, and I told him the dream. He is called Belthazar, after the name of my God and the spirit of the holy gods is in him. I said, Belthazar, chief of the magicians, I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you, and no mystery is too difficult for you. Here is my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the versions I saw while lying in bed, I looked, and there before me was a holy one, a messenger, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches, but let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man, and let him be given the mind of an animal, till seven times pass by him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict, so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth, and gives them to anyone he wishes, and sets over them the lowliest of people. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Belshazzar, tell me what it means, for none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me, but you can, because the spirit of the holy gods is in you. Then Daniel, also called Belshazzar, was greatly perplexed for a time, and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belshazzar answered, My lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies, and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw, which grew large and strong, with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the wild animals, and having nesting places in its branches for the birds. Your majesty, you are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. Your majesty saw a holy one, a messenger, coming down from heaven and saying, Cut down the tree and destroy it, but leave the stump, bound with iron and bronze, in the grass of the field. While its roots remain in the ground, let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the wild animals until seven times pass by him. This is the interpretation, your majesty, and this is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord, the King. You will be driven away from people and will live with wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of the heaven. 
seven times will pass by you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. The command to leave the stump of the tree with roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Even as the words were on his lips, a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like ox. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately what, happen immediately what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with dew of heaven until his hair grew like the feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. At the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. Then I praised the Most High, I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me for the glory of my kingdom. My advisors and nobles sought me out, and I was restored to my throne and became even greater than before. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble." So imagine if this was a Facebook post of somebody. This is what's so amazing about this story. In the middle of, of this book that we have, that we start to now move down into this different placement of, I'm going to give you an account. I'm going to tell you what happened. This isn't Daniel writing. This is Nebuchadnezzar's story that he's telling you. He's like, hey, check this out. I went absolutely stark raving mad and ate like an ox for a while and grew my talons out. and People thought I was nuts for seven years. Hey, no problem though. Everything's better now. Like, think about this Facebook post. We're no way. Like, we're like, look at how awesome I am. I caught a big fish, right? Like, we are not going to actually be honest. But this is what's so amazing about the Word of God, in my opinion. I, many reasons. Let me tell you what I love most. It doesn't tell a story of when heroes are always the highlights and making everything good. It tells a story of broken people understanding they're broken and finding a God that restores and loves them. So if you're here today feeling that your life is jacked up, welcome to Mosaic Church. Glad you're here because we're all jacked up, we are all broken, and we're all looking to be restored to this amazing God that we have. That is our story. It's a story of humanity. And when we look at this story today, I want to start digging into, the, not the details, because we can get caught up into the details of the prophecy, which we'll talk about. But I want to look at the overarching theme here, which is this. 
The Lord God Almighty is the sovereign king of everything. Here is the greatest superpower in the world who said, God said, nope. But this is what I love about this story that you're going to find as we dig into this. He had one year to repent. I don't know if you caught that. He had one year to repent from what he was doing, but he didn't. And we'll get into that story as we go back into the passage. First of all, in verse two, he says this, is my pleasure, think about this. This is Nebuchadnezzar. It is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. If we backtracked into Daniel chapter one, this is not the same dude. This is not the same guy. This is a guy who believes that there are many, many, many gods, and there's multiple gods, and maybe your God is a good God, and we like your God, the most high God, but he's one of all these other gods out there. And he says this, it is my pleasure to tell you that I went stark raving mad that God broke me down to nothing, and I have endured more pain and hardship than I could ever imagine. I went from the greatest being on the earth, in his opinion, to the lowliest, smallest being on earth in a snap of a fingers. And I'm here to tell you, it's my pleasure to tell you how great God is. I've endured hardship. You've endured hardship. There's not a story, a life around that does not have some story of brokenness unless you were literally just born a few minutes ago. The brokenness that sits in this room makes you feel like, I don't belong to be able to talk to God. I don't belong, we'll use those words belong, in a church. You don't understand how broken my story is. You don't understand how much pain I've been through. And friends, I'm not here to say, oh, I totally understand. I don't understand. What I'm saying is that you're in good company with everybody in the Bible and everybody in this room. You are welcome to come to a place where brokenness, we hear you. Because the brokenness of King Nebuchadnezzar turns into a story as instead of focusing on why would God do that to me? Think about this. Have you ever lost as much as this dude? He's a superpower in the world, the king of everything. He goes stark raving mad. He eats grass like an ox for seven years. Seven years this guy is going through this. Have you lost this much? Because I have not. I have not gone through that type of pain until he humbled himself, turns his face to heaven, and says, God, forgive me, and then God restores everything back to him simply because he humbled himself. Once he got everything, he could have said like, see, I told you, God. Why'd you make me go through all that? How God don't even know if you're real if you'd make me go through that? If you'd love me, you'd never let me go through all this pain. Maybe you've said these things. Wow, if you love me, God, how could you let that happen? We get so frustrated and angry, and the answer is, I don't know why God does it. What I do know, what I focus on is what Nebuchadnezzar says is this. Miraculous, I take pleasure about his miraculous signs and wonders. The most God has performed. How great are his signs? How mighty is his wonders? His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. This God is a lot bigger deal than you are. But with us and our egocentric and in our culture, we are monocentric, which means I want what's best for me and I don't care what's best for my community. 
I want what's best for my life and my family and my child, and I don't care what happens in the community as long as I'm okay. We are so self-centered that we make God all about us. Even in our worship sometimes, friends, we turn to God, you are so massively in love with me. God, you saved me. God, I'm the center of your universe. I'm your favorite kid. I know you like these other people in the room, but you love me the most because I'm a pastor. You have to love me. And the truth is, is that God loves us. God loves humanity. God loves his children. And his love for us created the gospel of Jesus Christ in which he sent his son to die to take all of the junk out of our lives so that we could be healed and that he can give us eternal life because God is the big deal. We are not. And this is gonna blow your socks off this morning. Jesus died for the glory of God. It was all about the glory of God and you being saved is not about you. It's about the glory of God, that heaven, we would reflect back to him as glory and for eternity, we get to be part of this beautiful story of God's love for a broken, messed up people. God's glory, God's kingdom is what reigns forever and ever and ever. But we get a little sidetracked sometimes. And so did Nebuchadnezzar in his story. So we take that thinking now, this king has this huge heart transformation where he's like, God, you're great forever, but this is not how this dude used to be. So we go into the story. He has his dream, and this dream is really messing with him, and he's not sleeping. It's, it's like, it's not one of those dreams. I, I've had dreams like that, right, where you have this dream where, you know, you're falling off a building or, you know, I always have dreams of flying. I don't know if something happened to me as a kid. I don't know. Maybe my mom can tell me I fall in my crib a couple too many times or whatever. But you have these dreams, right? And those dreams where you wake up and you remember the dream. Like, oh my gosh, it was so amazing. I remember that dream. It felt like I was really there. Or you have those dreams that are like really dark and scary and you wake up with night sweats. Well, he's waking up with this dream about a tree growing. He's not falling off a building or anything, but something is disturbing him. And we would assume that that's the spirit of God wrestling with him in this dream. This is not sitting well with him, seeing this tree grow and getting chopped down because he doesn't know what it means. So he goes out and he says, okay, who can tell me what this is? Somebody, please tell me because this is kind of freaking me out. So he calls Daniel. Now, Daniel is his, his Hebrew name, Belshazzar, which is a reference to Nebuchadnezzar's former god. Uh, he changed his name to, to erase his identity from his past. Belshazzar, that's why he has those two names in there. Hebrew, and then now his Babylonian name. So he calls him, he says, you've done this before, so let me tell you this dream. Here's verse 10. These are the visions I saw while lying in bed. I looked, and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter, and the birds lived in its branches, from every creature, from it, every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in bed, I looked and there was before me a holy one, a messenger coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree, trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. 
Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live from the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by the messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the most high, here, catch this, the living may know that the most high is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of people. Nobody is a big deal here, my friends. The Lord God Almighty is a big deal. But I like to use word pictures. Here's a picture of the tree, uh, just a picture if you could show this up here. That's not the tree. That is a Joshua tree. All right, well, that's not the tree I had, so that's not it. All right, so there's a different picture I had. So there is a tree. Good thing I looked because I've been like describing like that is the weirdest tree I've ever seen. Okay, so there is a tree. Imagine the earth and the tree is up to the heavens. So this tree starts growing and it's shooting straight up into the sky. Let's make this into a real world CGI type story. It's shooting up into the sky, into outer space. And the branches now extend over the earth so that no matter where you are, you can see this tree. This is a really big tree, huge, monstrous tree. And inside this tree, there's fruit and there's animals. There's all this joy. And you can imagine like all the animals skittering and scattering. And it's a healthy, happy place. And then this messenger comes and says, this tree is going to be cut down. And so you, and you know, Wisconsinites, we know what that sound is, right, guys? We cut trees up here, right? And they cut down this tree. And this large tree now crumbles and falls from heaven all the way down with a loud thud. Everything underneath is scattering for its lives. There's no more food. There's no more shelter. And there's a huge problem that's now happening that, that there's, this thing is now dropped to the earth. And King Nebuchadnezzar is sitting here watching this. And then he says this, we're going to make your mind like that of an animal. But leave this stump in the ground. Leave this stump. I'm going to make your mind like the mind of an animal. And you're going to live for seven years out in the rain. You have no shelter. The dew is there's no shelter. You're not even going to get one of those little lean-tos like I watch in all the survival shows I get super obsessed with, right? There's nothing to protect you. You're going to be just like one of the wild animals. And you're going to grow huge, monstrous nails, which are super cool and fashionable now. But you grow these huge nails like talons, and then your hair is going to grow out all nasty. And all of this is going to happen in this disgusting creature, O great king of Babylon. O great one who's created all of the, these great superpowers. O great one, you are the greatest man that's ever lived. Is going to crawl on the ground and eat grass like an ox for seven years. That's pretty stinking intense. I would be scared of this dream too. So when they get through all of this, Daniel shares this great tree and he starts to give the interpretation, King Nebuchadnezzar, you are that great tree. You've become powerful and you've become strong and your reach goes beyond what we can see. Great king, you have provided and people take shelter in you and you provide food. Great king, you are this great tree, but you are going to literally lose everything. God is going to cut you down. And though you believe you are the greatest thing that's ever lived on earth, your great kingdom is going to fall with a large thud and it will be cut down. Everything you have, your riches, your kingdom, your servants, all of your idols, all of your treasures, all of this 
garbage that you believe that you have the right to because you stood on a rooftop and you're going to say how great I am. God knows your heart, King Nebuchadnezzar, and we're going to cut that tree down and you, unfortunately, are going to be that animal. Now, he's a powerful king, and this is a powerful message. Daniel, as he walks into this story, shares this, has to be terrified of what's about to happen next, right? So he tells this story, and this is what I want us to focus on today, my friends. Verse 27. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. (laughs) Wow. Renounce your sins by doing what is right, and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. Daniel says, hear me, king. Be pleased with what I'm about to say to you. Be pleased with my advice. I've got another word for you. This doesn't have to happen, brah. This doesn't have to come to fruition. Listen to me. I've interpreted dreams before. Was I right? You were right. Was I right? Yes, you were right. Listen to me. Don't do this. Stop the way that you're acting. King, I'm asking you, would you please repent? And I want to say something here, friends. This is why we're talking about such a perfect message for where we are today. Be kind to the oppressed. If you don't know anything about God's story and how Jesus acted, God is emphatically focused and in love and has called us to help the marginalized and those whose voices who aren't heard. Jesus was a poor, homeless man. He was not a suburban, white, rich man. He was a poor, Jewish, homeless man. The word says he has nowhere to lay his head. And this man was focused on us understanding the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, when you read scriptures over and over again, tells us how we are to love the marginalized, the broken, the oppressed, the hurting. We are called to love the refugee. We are called to love people of other skin colors, nationalities, and we are called to love people who believe different things than us. We are called to love people because Jesus did. And Daniel says, King, you are not, you are sinning, your pride, all of this. But secondly, on top of this, bro, is that you need to stop your wickedness because obviously he was oppressing people. He was a leader of oppression. He was a leader who stole Daniel and his friends. He wasn't a nice guy. If you looked at the earlier chapters, he was going to rip people apart. They didn't do what he wanted. He was not one of those hug feels type guy. He was a dictatorship that was after and oppressing people. And Daniel says this, turn your heart around and turn your kingdom like what the kingdom of God is like. And the kingdom of God cares for and loves oppressed people. I don't know if you've ever heard that in the Bible before, but I want to make that super clear to us today, friends. Our mission as a people who say we love God is to love the things that he loves. We would say we need to have the same heart or focus on what God loves, and God cares for the broken, marginalized, hurting people. If you feel broken, marginalized, hurting, you are welcome because this is where this place should be. Churches should be full of those people who need help. And here we see why. Because God's heart is for people who are marginalized. And for us 
as a group of people today who live in Slinger slash Hartford slash Washington County right now, we live in a very affluent area and it's very easy to turn our eye towards oppression. It's very easy to turn our head away because like, oh, I'm cool. I got a piggly wiggly down the street. I got money. I got this. I got that. And we start to now turn ourselves inward. But I have friends, are we any different than Nebuchadnezzar? When we ask the question, I have built this, I worked hard. I went to school. This is my money. I deserve this. I deserve that. Everything I have is my kingdom. I've built my kingdom. God, this is mine. I love you, but this is mine. And I just want to share with you that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. As it tells us in Proverbs, God opposes the proud. Because humility puts you on your knees to say, God Almighty, you are the king of the universe. And who am I? I am nothing. But then God picks our head up and says, you are something because you're my kid. Your identity is my child. I love you and I say you are valuable. When God says you're valuable versus what the kings of the world say is valuable, throw away the world, my friends, because God says you are valuable. He says we are valuable. He says we are loved. And so now this king is sitting here in this crux. Now, and this is the part I don't understand because I would assume that he would react a little sooner. Um, but obviously, he's just as dumb as all of us are. He says, oh, that's really good advice. And then he goes on his way. One year later, he's sitting up on his rooftop admiring his kingdom, right? In my mind, he's got his gold shekels, you know, kind of like he's like Scrooge McDuck, you know? Like, so he's got his gold shekels. He's up, on, he's up on his rooftop surveying his great land. His kingdom goes as far as the eye can see because Babylon was the, the hugest area of occupation. He can't even see the ends of, his, of all of his ranges with his gold coins. I am amazing. Look at how great I am. Look at all that I've accomplished. Look at my kingdom. Man, I will be known forever as one of the greatest kings of all time. And as his coming out of his lips, the doubloons fall to the ground and he falls to his knees and starts like some sort of animal. And he loses his mind. The messenger come and says, uh, this is not going to happen. In fact, now that dream is true. So this king now goes into the fields. He's eating with the ox. He is living this out until he turns his eyes back to heaven and repents. And one of the beautiful stories of the scriptures is that God's people are always called back to repent. And this is what's so crazy, man. God keeps forgiving us. Because in the dream, the stump that was in the ground was that if he repented, God would return his kingdom to him. He didn't wipe out the entire tree. He left the stump in which can be grown again, that there's something there that he would remain. There would be a time in which I will return this back to you, king, if you will humble yourself and know that your kingdom is from me. And so for seven years, this dude is just nasty. He's out there. Could you imagine if that was your king? or our president, or, or some like diplomat or congressman, and like all of a sudden you're walking by like, is he sitting in the field eating grass? People are making fun of him. They think he's nuts. He's lost his mind. Is he demon-possessed? They don't know what's going on with this guy. He's out there doing this for seven years, and he looks his eyes towards heaven, and he repents. And I love this passage of what he says. Listen to this passage here. It's part 34, and then we're going to read through. 
He no longer thinks he's the greatest. He thinks God is. He says this about God at the end. His dominion, this is God's, is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases. And the powers of heaven, with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth, no one can hold back his hand or say to him, what have you done? He goes from, I'm the greatest, to, oh my goodness gracious, I am nothing. Look at what God can do. Because God is about his glory. It's about a heart transformation for his glory. God is everything. And I love verse 37 as it concludes. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the king of heaven because everything he does is right and all his ways are just and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. If that isn't like a life statement for a dude, you know what? I've been through a lot, but I worship God. And I worship God because his ways are right. And you know what? Those who are, I thought I was everything. I'm nobody. God is great. At the end of the story, everything comes back to him. God gives him an even greater kingdom. But we find out actually years later, the entire thing gets shattered apart. And as we move into the next chapter and King Nebuchadnezzar dies, we now see his son enter the scene and all the drama is going to start over again in Daniel chapter 5. But I say this to you today. How can we be encouraged by this passage, a story of trees and kings and all this stuff, besides like the reality of what we are living through right now that happened this week? First of all, we have nothing to fear in world leaders. Do not be afraid. God is sovereign over everything. We may not like what's going on. We may not understand what's going on. We may not agree with what's going on, but do not be afraid. Go to your knees instead. Let's stop posting fear things and posting political statements, and let's start posting more prayers, and let's get some scabby knees because we're asking the one who is in control of all things to hear us, oh God. Would you hear us, please? Go to prayer and stop being afraid. Secondly, everything is God's. If you think you have everything because you're smart or went to school or have a great job, you really are missing what the point of this story is. God is radically generous with all of you and all of us, no matter what. His generosity is his. Everything you have, you're just borrowing it. Because if it was really yours, you get to take it with you. But I've done a lot of funerals and I've seen like some tchotchke stuff inside of coffins but let's be real, you get to take none of it with you, which means you're borrowing it. You're leasing it. But yet we sit here with our gold doubloons. Look at how great I am. I've got eight lake houses and 75 boats. Like, cool, give me one, right? Like, we miss the point here when we believe and think that everything we have is ours. Friends, that type of thinking is so toxic and so unhealthy, it leads you to commercialism, which leads you to materialism, which leads you to individualism, which leads you to loneliness. When we see that God is generous and we open our heart that all we have is his, it totally changes the way we think about life. Everything we have is his. And as a parent, one of the hardest things for me to say is my children are not mine, they are his. And so instead of trying to manipulate and create a perfect bubble while helicopter parenting everything and controlling all the narratives, I trust that the Lord God Almighty 
as a parent, hear me, I raise them in the way of God, and then God will take care of them because they are his children. My possessions are his. This church is his. Everything is his because he's the Lord God Almighty. Maybe you can relate to that. But maybe you can also relate. There's times where I say, mine. Just like Gollum in the Lord of the Rings, I sit there and I swirl the ring in my hand. Call it my precious. This is mine, God. I've earned this. You, you owe me. I'm such a good person most of the time. And I sit in the corner. I sit in the corner rubbing my ring, believing that I have a power or I have something that was not given to me by God. And I do this. So if you do this, well, maybe not the ring rubbing. That's kind of weird. But it's a picture, right? But maybe you do this as well, that you believe or take something. God, I'll give you everything, but this is mine. And we sit there and believe we are very dangerously close to Nebuchadnezzar. Dangerously close. God, everything is God's. And finally, I want to encourage you with this today. God called Nebuchadnezzar to repent. He said, turn away from your sins. Stop it. Stop doing that. Stop sinning. Stop oppressing people. Stop hurting people, king. I've given you this power and you're using it for evil. Stop sinning. Use your influence to change the world for good. And so, friends, I sit to you today. This is our question. I'm going to give you just a minute or so to process this question and repent yourself. What do you need to repent of today that's hindering you from the work of God? What do you have to repent of? Meaning, what are you holding on to? What ring are you rubbing? What sin are you being a part of? What garbage is in your life where God's saying, repent. Repent or downfall is going to come. Friends, not every story of pain comes from your sin. I understand sin in our world gets inflicted on us. But I'm also going to say there are stories in our lives in which your sin has created problems and more pain. And just like Nebuchadnezzar, if he would have turned from his sin, that would have erased that forward narrative. But what's in your life today that you're just rubbing as a ring, hoping that no one finds out about, and saying, God, this is mine? I'm begging you as your friend, as a brother, as a human, would you repent to God, Lord God Almighty, and get this garbage out of your life? Would you say something huge to God right now and just say, I'm done, God, forgive me? If it is a heart of greed, if it is a heart of materialism, if it is how you're sinning directly against somebody, if you're purposely hurting somebody in a relationship, if you know and are purposely causing sin, I'm calling you and begging you as your friend, repent. Because sin only leads to death and destruction. I've been doing ministry for over 20-some years. I have not seen sin ever land well in my time. I've never seen, oh, no big deal, we're just sinning, and land where everybody's happy in the end. In fact, in my experience, and maybe you can as well, Sin usually looks like a bomb that explodes in people's lives in which there's shattered pieces and those shattered pieces walk into my office and say, what do I do now? That's where it goes. Friends, listen to the words of our brother Daniel thousands upon thousands of years ago that says, King Nebuchadnezzar, repent so that the future will not happen. And so I'm going to give you time to do that today. Whatever's on your heart, we're going to give silent reflection, just a few moments to pause 
I beg you, no phones, no distractions, just some time. What do you have to repent of today? Once again, thank you so much for listening. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to connect with you at our weekend gathering for service time, directions, and to learn more about our vision to ignite a movement of love that transforms our community and the world, visit us at mosaicwi.com.